Good morning. Let's stand all over the house this morning. Let's sing this old hymn of the church in the suite forever.
help Mason out today. Brother Storm was not able to be here today uh, last minute. We're going to pray over our tithes and offerings this morning, and we'll let you come and bring those before the Lord during our meet and greet time. Let's pray together. Lord, we just love you, and we glorify you, and we magnify your name. We already feel your presence in this place today. Lord, I pray, God, that you would bless the gift and the giver. Bless those that have to give and those that may not have to give. And if there's someone here today, Lord, that cannot give, I pray at some point in time you would bless them to be able to give. Lord, I pray that every uh, amount of offering that is taken up today, God, would be for the upbuilding and the advancement of the kingdom. Lord, I pray for every note that is played, every song that is sung, and every, uh, Lord, uh, message that is given today would be for the, for the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. And that, Lord, someone's heart and lives would be changed by the power of Jesus Christ today. Lord, we love you and we glorify you and we magnify your name. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. In the body of Christ together, say amen. Amen. Will you bring your tithes and offerings at this time during our meet and greet. God bless. seats this morning. Let me uh, just give a uh, couple uh, housekeeping, uh, if you will, announcements uh, that we want to uh, bring before your attention today. Uh, We were supposed to uh, have uh, Bishop Chad and Jennifer Fickett with us today. That is the directors of the Youth and Discipleship Department for the state of South Carolina. Uh, But due to uh, an emergent situation at another church uh, in the state, they were... uh, 
summoned by the state overseer to have to go there this morning. And so we've had to reshift a little bit everything. So we will work on rescheduling and trying to get them involved. But um, I know they were supposed to be here, but um, subsequently uh, were not able to be here. But that being said, uh, we will we will still worship the Lord, and we're still going to have a great time in the Lord. Amen. Next Sunday is uh, Membership Sunday. Uh, some of you have expressed interest in joining the church. Uh, some of you have via letter transfer. Some it's been uh, just coming in. If you're able to come next Saturday at 10 a.m., if you're not, we understand. But at 10 o'clock, for about one hour from 10 to 11, we just want to go over kind of with the policies, procedures, what happens here at our church, what it means, what you're taking on, what you're doing before you get thrown up on Sunday morning to the church to welcome you as new members of the church. We'll meet right here at the church. It will not be long. It's just something I like to do to let everybody have questions, ask questions, find out the ministries uh, with inside of the church and things like that. If you're over the age of 55 on Saturday, February the 25th at 8.30, I'd like for you to join me at Hardy's in Monk's Corner. I just want to get an opportunity to hang out with you and talk to you and figure out ways to impact you and impact our community and and uh, our church and help this ministry. Uh, you are the, the pillars. You're the undergirth of our church. You help keep us going. And many of you, I would do it throughout the week, but many of you still work. You didn't retire. You just reshuffled, reshuffled the deck of cards. You just started watching grandbabies and stuff instead of not working. And so um, you, uh, it makes it a little more challenging for us, uh, but we want you to uh, make sure if you can to join us uh, for that as well. Uh, we obviously have lots of uh, requests. If you were in the Sunday school hour, I'm not going to rehash them, but there were a lot of requests given uh, during the Sunday school hour and all of the various Sunday school classes uh, regarding uh, people that were sick, people battling things and stuff like that. And so we want you to pray for that. I'm going to have uh, Brother Randy. He's going to come and lead scripture and prayer. And immediately following him, uh, Brother Jimmy will be coming to sing for us this morning. God bless you today, Brother Randy. Dead. So the Bible says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us. So you're glad? Amen. All right. And we talked this morning in the Sunday school about uh, the congregation and congregating together and being together in the house of the Lord. And the Lord touched me. <clears throat> Don't ever touch anybody else. But touch me. In Psalms 84, it says, How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found a house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be, they will be still praising thee. Selah. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee and whose heart are the ways of them. Who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength, every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob, Selah. Behold our God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will be withheld from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. 
I think you got to say Salah again. So be it. Sister Jennifer Burbage told me this morning that her father went back to the doctor because they were checking him for cancer, and they found no spots. That is the work of the Lord. Praise the Lord for that. Like I told my Sunday school class this morning, the Lord has always been so good to me, and he is good to trust. We've got to trust him and believe in him and show up. Uh, You know, he don't ask a whole lot of us. The Lord doesn't ask a whole lot of us except to praise him and to join together where we can support each other. So let's uh, do that from time to time. But right now, let's go to the Lord in prayer. We've heard the requests we're given this morning. We know the needs. So let's go to the Lord. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you for this opportunity to come before you. Lord, we ask that you will be with us and keep us. Help us, Lord, to do your will. Lord, keep us in thy sight forever. Lord, I pray that you will continue to uphold us. Lord, be with those that are sick, those that can't be here due to work, those, Lord, that don't have anything to give. We pray that you will bless them, be with them, and keep them. Lord, we thank you for those that do support and lift up this church. We thank you for those that support and lift you up, Lord. Pray that you will give us the words this morning via the pastor, Lord, that we can take those words and use them this week for thy glory. Lord, because it's not our will that needs to be done, but thine. Help us, Lord, to do thy will. Help us to do everything, Lord, that you would have us to do. We ask all this in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. start early and then we get out we're blessed to come be with you here at your service also so but anyway we uh, we appreciate you as you get over 55 there's some things that really starts to you start thinking about and you said oh, you know I'm at least over halfway but when you get over 70 like some of some of you over 80 when you get over 70 it gets a little more closer. The song I'm going to choose today, Leave It On My Mind, I hope you enjoy it. Praise God. Yeah. 
while the Spirit of the Lord is still moving, I just want to honor him today. Brother Marion and uh, them were talking about it in the Sunday school hour. They were uh, discussing some of the things that they had needs and requests of. They were sharing some testimonies of different things. And Sister Beulah was sharing about how her grandson, Fleet had been sick, but he was getting better, but he got offered a job that we had been praying for, and we said it was, we believe that it's because God hears our prayers. The last two weeks, we have had quite the time with the Lord, with the Lord being in our midst, in our services. Last week, with Sister Jeannie singing um, uh, Shelter in the Arms of God, and, and all of those in the Sunday before with the Spirit of the Lord. Well, last Wednesday night, not this week, but the week before, uh, it might have been actually this Wednesday, honestly, Miss... Nina came to church and she was said, Pastor, can I say something before you do Bible study? And I said, absolutely. For the right price, you can say anything you want. And she said, I just want to give God praise. She said, last Sunday I had to be in the nursery. The Spirit of the Lord started moving and I could hear y'all in the main auditorium, but I, I didn't know what to do. I, I had already told the Lord this morning I was going to go to the altar and pray. I had a need in my life. She said, for over a year, I've been battling shoulder issues. Now, when I first got here, Ms. Brenda Burbage was told she needed to have rotator cuff surgery on her shoulder. She couldn't even get her arm up much higher than this without excruciating pain. She still hasn't had surgery, and she plays percussion for us on this side of the stage and still hasn't went and had surgery yet. And she said, but I was sitting there, and I was thinking, God, I want to be in there so bad. I want to be in there so bad. But, God, my calling right now is to be in this nursery, take care of these little babies. But I want to be in there. I need to hear from God. I want to be in there. She said, I, I was a little discouraged, Pastor. I'm not going to lie. I was a little discouraged. I went through service. We left. I went home. She said, I laid down in my room, took a nap. I was going to take a nap, but I put some preaching on. And I was just still thinking about the service y'all had that I could hear. And I put this preaching on on my YouTube, uh, on my phone on YouTube. And she said, I was laying there. And I just thought, but God, I, I wanted to be in there. I wanted to hear from God. I wanted to touch from God. I wanted to feel God. And she said, the man on the, the thing said, if you have a need in your life, you don't have to worry about going to the church or having a pastor pray for you. You can just pray right where you are. God can hear you. And she said, she laid her hand on her shoulder. And she said, God, you know all I wanted to do. For over a year, I've had a struggle with my shoulder. God, all I want to do is go up there and have the church people pray for me. And she laid her hand on her shoulder, and she said, God, I, you know the need. And she said, Pastor, I want you to watch something. And on Wednesday night, she started doing this with her arm. She said, I haven't had pain since Sunday. I can have full motion of my shoulder. I can have full mobility. It's been over a year, and God still, over a year I've battled this. And God, and I thought, what a beautiful story. But what you don't know. It was three weeks ago when I was finishing up a series called Recapturing the Glow. I said, the one thing I wanted God to do, if there ever was one thing this pastor had ever prayed, I said, God, I want you to let our young people know that you're real. I want you to let them know that you are still the same yesterday, the same God that I got, the same Holy Spirit I got, the same Father that I serve. I want them to know. And I love our kids. I teach them in Sunday school and I take them on trips. I love them to death. And the last couple of Sundays, God had moved, and I, you know, they could see what was going on in the main auditorium, and it was great. It's wonderful. But on Wednesday afternoon, Riley was supposed to go to a chiropractor appointment in North Charleston. 
She's going down 52 near Goose Creek, near the Dairy Queen, in that area where Faith of Goose Creek is located. And thankfully, I don't, not thankfully, not only that, I believe it was the hand of the Lord. I'm not, I'm not, I believe she was a defensive driver, but I think God took the wheel before she knew it. She may not have ever saw Jesus take the wheel, but I think he took the wheel. Because a car was going in and out of traffic and was driving recklessly and ended up hitting a lady in front of him and eventually and Riley saw it all happen real quickly and so she tried to make sure she didn't get involved in that but somebody behind her not paying attention came and I mean just destroyed her truck I mean if you look I don't have the pictures on the on the screen but the the pictures that her mom and dad sent me I mean literally it looked like you took the truck and just you just you just put it in a compactor and just and just kind of bent it together now many of you know Riley had to have a couple about a year and a half or so ago a hip surgery because of some some related issues with sports when I got the first text message and Tana called and she said, can you let me through? i got to get to Riley. She's upset. She's been in a wreck. I don't know all the details. i got to go. And so I, we were actually behind each other just randomly on, the, on uh, 17A. And I got the pictures and when I saw them right before church, I thought to myself, I haven't said this to anybody, I thought to myself, God, you did it. I don't want her truck to be messed up, but if she ever had a doubt that God's not real, she can't doubt you now. She can't doubt you now because that truck said I should be in a hospital. My hip should be displaced again and I should not be able to walk. But she's here just four days after that standing before God, worshiping God with no... I mean, she's a little sore, sure, but she's not dead. Her truck might be tore up, but she's not tore up. Her truck might be destroyed, but her life's not destroyed. I'm telling you, God knows what He's doing, when He needs to do it. The hand of the Lord is still real, church. God is still real, church. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Oh, if we've ever needed to know it, God is still in control today. He's still in control. I remember when I looked at those pictures, I thought, I sure hope the Storms, the Masons, the Madisons, and eventually soon here to be Colton. Colton just turned 13 this week, so he's coming up right behind them, getting ready to drive. I sure hope when they see these pictures, they realize... Nothing against Riley's defensive driving, but God has his hand on his children, and God will protect his own. You can replace a car, but you can't replace a life. I don't care how much the car costs. It'll never be the same as her standing on this stage, worshiping the Lord. What the enemy sometimes may mean for evil, God can turn that thing all the way around for the good and the glory of God Almighty. So if there's ever been a prayer that we should ever be able to say in this church, we should be able to say it just like this. You are the spirit of the living, not a dead God, a living God. Fall fresh on That's what we wanted him to do. We wanted this. Oh, spirit of the living. Oh, we want you, Lord. We want you to fall fresh on Sometimes he has to melt us, so sometimes you can melt me, you can mold me, Lord, we want you to fill me, and will you use me, you are the spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. My favorite line in that whole song is, we don't say spirit of the dead God. The living God. And what He did way back when, He still does today. 
And I believe what he does, what he did this week, he'll still be doing through the annuals of time because he is the living God. He is Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, the first and the last, who was and is and is to come. I'm telling you, we serve a risen Savior. We serve a living God. And can I tell you, we're getting ready to see a soon-coming king. He's getting ready to come get us out of this place. And we're going to know him like we've never known him before. Translate, let me pray for us together. Father, in the name of Almighty God and Savior Jesus Christ, our Lord, that is our prayer. Spirit of the living God, Will you fall fresh on us today in this place? Resident, make residency with us. Make habitation with us. Reside with us. Live inside of us today. God, I want to first and foremost say thank you. Thank you for the hand of protection you had this week. Thank you for the miracles you've done this week. Thank you for the signs and wonders to remind us as a church. You are still God and God alone. And you're still in control. God, as we get ready here in just a moment to break the bread of life, let your word go forth and accomplish the task it was sent to do and let there be no doubt in the building and let there be no misunderstanding that we don't serve a dead God, but we serve the God of the living. We serve the God of all gods. We serve the soon coming King. We serve Jehovah, the God that will provide anything and everything that I have need of in my life. And Jesus mighty name we commit this into the loving arms of Christ Jesus our Lord people of God together said amen amen if you're able I want you to grab your Bibles and go with me to the book of Luke chapter 17 book of Luke chapter 17 as you're turning there I had some folks earlier today that I had talked to that they were battling and struggling and they said pastor I don't know if we'll make it to church we're trying but we're just got a lot going on and I said to that individual I said I'm not telling you not to come to church I said but I just believe that if you can get there God's got something for you before this service is over we're going to pray for those folks today and we're going to believe God's going to do what he done for Riley what he done for sister Nina what he's done for them. if he can do miracles for other people he can do miracles for them too he can do it Brother Randy this morning, I, I happened to walk in Sunday school. you got to remember, it's been a little whirlwind for me the last 12 hours. I thought I wasn't preaching at all. I thought I was coming. I was leading worship. I was going to sit on a chair over here or sit by Brother Randy, and I was going to enjoy church for a change. And, and then I get the phone call, and I go in scramble mode, and Brenda says, well, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. Sister Carol said we should just have had the old-time Bible sword drills, and I just call random scriptures, and let's see who could get them first because I didn't have nothing. Brianna was so tired last night, she said, I love you, but I'm going to bed. I'll see you tomorrow. She just left me and went to bed. I said, you're so loving. Thank you. Such a heart, such a heart of compassion. I sat at my dining room table, and I thought, God, I've got nothing. I thumbed through books. I read through things. I had sermon thoughts. I typed in my phone ideas, and I, nothing, I, nothing. Everything I read, Brother Primo, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I just didn't have the, my mind, my mentality. It was just gone. I ran across a a uh, uh, note that I had put in the phone and remembered and I went back and looked at the book where I, I had remembered seeing it pulled it out and started reading it just briefly and I wasn't sure about it I'm not going to lie to you I wasn't sure about the message and then I thought well Lord I, I'm kind of at my wits end so we're going to at least put this one together and hope something happens with it you know and hopefully you'll tell me something by in the morning if you change your mind it would be great let me know soon got up this morning and I still had nothing like Intuition. So I had this one typed up in my in my computer, and I was like, well, I, I typed it last night and emailed it to my iPad, and I said, well, we'll have it just in case. 
you got to remember, the Bible says God orchestrates all things. The steps of a good man and woman are order of the Lord. God has a plan. I have nothing. You know, I felt like I had nothing. I walked into Sunday school. I was late because I was trying to get all the sermon stuff changed over because I had the other people's sermons in the computer. Get everything switched over, and I go to Brother Randy's Sunday school class. And I had had the privilege of, while I was putting the sermons in here, Brother Marion's Sunday school class, do their prayer request. And I heard them talk about things like, um, you know, just needing, uh, if you will, uh, people had needs, but then I heard the praise reports that were going up in the process. Sister Angela was talking about Riley, and, and Sister uh, Beulah was talking about her grandson and the job. I walk in Brother Randy's classroom. I grab my coffee and uh, stuff that uh, I was going to get for Sunday school. And I, I don't always do it, but I happen to just glance over at his whiteboard. And I read the thing. And I don't remember exactly the exact question, but it was some. It was had to do that the idea, the concept was something to do with does does God want you to worship Him, or, or should we worship God? It had to do with, with honoring God. Do you, does God want you to worship Him, or do you, should we worship God? And I thought, God, you've got to be kidding me. I was like, I know why you didn't tell me what to preach today. You were at Brother Randy's house telling him what I'm trying to make up over here. You're over there telling him, Brother Randy's preaching today. Why didn't you just tell me? I'd have called him and saved myself this headache. He could have just preached myself. I'm like, he's already got it on the whiteboard. What am I supposed to say? He's already going to tell the whole church where I get to. How did he get to go first? I'm the one that should have went first. Let him. I'm the one that's agonizing over this thing. He's probably slept like a baby last night, not thinking about it. I'm going to read a story to you. And then you're going to hear this title. And you're going to think that I literally just busted into Brother Randy's house late last night and took a Sunday school lesson and came here. I did not. He stole it from me. I was up first. I just want that to go on record. But here's the story. Now it happened as Jesus went to Jerusalem, verse 11, that he passed through a region of Samaria of Galilee. As he entered the village, there he met ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. But when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourself to the priest. And it was so as they went. It does not say they are healed yet. It says, Jesus said, go to the priest. We'll talk about why he said that here in a moment. He said, go to the priest. But as they were going to the priest, they got a miracle. I didn't even know it when I said it to the individual that I said, I think I'm about to. No, I'm not. I think it's just playing mind games with me. I said it to the individual this morning when I talked to them on the phone via text message. I said, I don't know if you'll be able to make it to church or not, but if you'll just make the effort, I believe God will meet you there. Sometimes God just needs us to take steps of faith and he'll take care of the miracle while we're just walking it out. He said, go show yourself. As they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he noticed he was whole, he returned and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face, uh, fell down on his face at his feet of Jesus, giving Jesus thanks, for he was a Samaritan. We know Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. But Jesus said to him, Were there not ten of you? You're the only one? Where's the other nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this one? And he said unto that man, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, I don't know if the other nine lepers got leprosy again or not. The Bible never tells us. 
But I think this guy not only got a physical healing, but when he left the presence of Jesus, his spiritual man was never the same again. He got healed twice in one day. I want to talk to you today. This is probably not going to be the best message I've ever preached because I didn't really have an exhaustive amount of time. But if I ever felt like that I had something to say today, I want you to know that miracles are welcome, but the worshipers are missing. Everybody wants a miracle, but not everybody comes back to worship when they get it. Miracles are welcome, but worshipers are missing. Let's pray. Father, in the name above every name, Jesus Christ our Lord, I commit this service in the loving arms and your care. I pray you would help hide me behind the cross of Calvary. And help me decree and declare what thus saith the word of Almighty God. Take a coal from the altars of heaven and anoint these lips of clay that I may preach the unadulterated word of God. God, I will commit everything into your hands. I can't do it, but let us not only be hearers, but doers of this word likewise. Let us experience you in the power of your presence. We will commit this into your arms. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. The body of Christ said amen. Amen. You may be seated. I'll do my best to preach today in a little bit of an accelerated mode so that you can get out here at a decent time today. In our lives, many of us, we all have things we want. We, we, we have things we desire. You know, we, we like to receive gifts. I was introduced to a word not too long ago. I didn't even know what this word meant. It was called a Circe. Somebody said, hey, pastor, I have you a Circe. And I thought, what is that? I was like, what is a Circe? I didn't know if it was an animal I didn't know if it was telling me I had like certs, like bad breath. If y'all were giving me them old-timey certs, if I was like, y'all were trying to tell me my breath stank. I was like, I can buy them Listerine strips. I can figure, I didn't know what a Cersei was. So I, I was very timid, and they, they, I think they could tell that I was uncomfortable by their offer of a Cersei. And I'm like, oh, thank you. And they're like, you don't know what that is, do you? I said, I don't. They said, it's a gift. I said, oh, I like gifts. Why did you say that the first time? He just said a gift. I'm not, I mean, I was born at night, not last night, but just say gifts. I'm not smart. Just say gifts. You don't have to be fancy. Say you got money. I don't care what the gift is. Just tell me what it is. You know, uh, this, this past week I had went and got Brianna's Valentine's Day gift, but our schedule does not permit us to be together for Valentine's Day with her work schedule. And so my wife cannot stand to know you have a gift, but she can't open it. It drives her nuts. And so... She and I had some things. She had a rough week at work. And I thought, well, I can't see her for Valentine's Day anyway, so I'll give her this gift now. Well, she, so I come home. I got it out the closet where I had it hidden on Thursday afternoon. She had to go, or Friday afternoon. She had to go to work Friday night. I get out. She gets up, and I have this gift sitting on her nightstand. She said, oh, what's this? I said, it's a gift. And she was like, well, can I open it? And I said, no. <laughs> she said, that's not fair. I said, I just want you to have to wait. So it bugged her. So Saturday rolls around, and she says, Look, I'm just telling you, you're either going to have to move the gift or you're going to do something different. But if it sits there, I'm going to open it. It's got to go. I can't wait any longer. I said, no, no, you can open it. She loves gifts. It doesn't really matter what the gifts. I'm telling you right now, I could walk into the house tomorrow, Brother Justin, and I could hand her $1 million. And she would say, oh, thank you. I could walk in tomorrow with a puppy, and she would praise God and shout all over the church for that. The million dollars means nothing. She wants a dog. And I'm like, you've got one. I... I'd make messes. I'd take stuff and destroy it and throw it all over the house. I mean, I mean, look, if you, if you just want to take care of something, the dog's right here. I can leave stuff everywhere for you to clean up if that's what you want. I'm right here. But the reality of it is she loves gifts. We all like gifts. We love the feeling of being wanted, desired, or to be thought of. 
We don't mind accepting gifts from those who know us best because we always know if they're bringing a gift, it's going to be something good. In terms of our spiritual faith, we love it when God gives us blessings unexpectedly. We love when he does something special and supernatural. We crave the promises of Scripture. We love Scripture's like. If the earthly father knows how to give good gifts to his children, how much more so does your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask and seek them? We love those scriptures. We're like, yes, God, send the blessings. We love them. Throughout scripture, there's always been these thoughtful and stirring questions that have been asked that kind of culminate a story. Questions like Genesis and 3 and 9 where God says, Adam, where are you? It kind of takes a new dimension to that story. Genesis 4 and 9, am I my brother's keeper? That is a pointed question in that story. In 1 Kings 18 and 21, how long will you go between two opinions, says the Lord? That is a pointed question. Uh, uh, What is man that you are mindful of him? Psalms 8 and 4, uh, that is also a, a pointed question. But if there's ever been one that is the most profound maybe question, or one of the most uh, uh, important questions... It is found in Luke 17 and 17, where there are not ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Where's the rest of them? Where there should have been ten voices crying out, there was one. Where there should have been twenty hands uplifted in the air worshiping God, there were two. Where are the other nine? Well, I'd like to tell you that What a cool story, but the reality of it is much of that story is not much different than today. Go to any worship service at many churches and likely there will be less than half of the constituency who are actually truly worshiping God in that service. I didn't say you would like this sermon, but I'm going to preach it anyway. I know everybody doesn't like every song we sing. I don't either, and I pick them. Hello? Hello? Y'all going to go nominal on me. Okay, we don't have to be Pentecostal. We can go, we can go nominal. I'm good with that. I've preached in, in nominal churches before. Didn't make many friends, but I went. The reality of it is this. I know everybody doesn't like the songs we sing. I don't either. But somebody else had come to me, what you don't know, and the backstory said, hey, Pastor, I heard this song on the radio, and it spoke volumes to me in my car, and I want to sing it. And I thought, what did you hear? Did you not hear the same song I did? What is this mess I'm listening to? Not because I don't hate the songs, because it wasn't my style. But I learned if it meant something that one person gets closer to Jesus by me singing it, I will forget that I don't like the song as long as somebody gets to know Jesus through the process of that song. Of course I know some people like Southern Gospel. Some people like praise and worship. Some people like contemporary worship. I I mean, I can kind of get behind all of the various ones depending on the song and the message and the meaning. But I learned that if it just uplifts Jesus, I can suck it up for 30 seconds. I can suck it up for two and a half minutes. If it's talking about Jesus, there's something in it I can worship him for. It may not be my style. It may not be the Kingsman Quartet singing it. And it may not be Charity Gale singing it. But if they say Jesus, that's a name I recognize. And I can praise that name no matter what the rest of it says. I recognize that name when it's grown out. I recognize it. Where are the other nine? You see, in a crowd of three to 400 people, sometimes you can't find 100 people praising the Lord. Where are the nine? 
If there are 60 people sitting in a sanctuary, there would, there, you would think there would be 60 voices praising God and 120 hands uplifting their hearts and their minds to Jesus Christ and 60 hearts overwhelmed to Jesus Christ. But many times you go and you see nothing happening. Where are the nine? Where are they? Because I come, I surmise to you today and I believe that if you're here today, you have a right to give God praise because he got you here. Now we sing a song around here, give him the glory, give him the praise. But the tagline of that song says, you've got a right to praise him. You ought to praise his name. For he woke you up this morning and he started you on our way. So you give him the glory and you give him the praise. Look, I may not like, and I'm not saying I don't like this, but I may not like days of Elijah. I may not like, we shall see the king when he comes. But I'm telling you, at days of Elijah, oh behold, he comes. He's riding on a cloud. He's shining like the sun. We shall see the king. There's a blessed time coming. Coming soon. It may be morning, night, or noon. It doesn't matter which side of the fence I'm on. I didn't come to worship the musician. I didn't come to worship the singer. I didn't come to worship the scripture. I didn't come to worship the preacher. I came to worship Jesus. Whether I like his message, whether I like the music, I didn't come for nobody else but to worship Jesus Christ. I come to worship him. But what happens? We know what happens. We know what happens. You get a handful here that will worship here. and a handful. I'm not saying everybody has to worship in the same way. I get that. But we all should be worshiping at some point because God's been good. I'm not saying you have to be a runner. I'm not saying you have to be a shouter. I'm not saying you have to do everything the way other people do. But I'm saying if you're not worshiping Him, something's wrong because He's been good to you. He's been good to you. So I started thinking about some of the processes here. I thought about the leper's plight. I thought about where he was at. He had leprosy. Ten of them. That word alone says what their plight was. I don't even have to elaborate. It was not a good thing to be a leper. Their obituary was already written before. They were walking dead men. They knew they had an incurable disease. They were going to die. There was no cure for leprosy. You just waited to die. You literally were just waiting to die. What a sad state. What a sad state knowing you cannot be made whole. You're just waiting to die. You don't know if you're going to die tomorrow. You don't know if you're going to die the next day. You don't know if you're going to have to live 30 years. But you know there's no choice. You're a walking dead man. You're going to die. There's no hope. The effects of leprosy were horrendous. A small sore would become malignant. And it would be irreversible. The body would slowly be consumed by this merciless disease. It would literally eat at you. And it would literally be like rottening of your flesh from the inside out. It would literally be killing you while you're watching it happen. There's nothing you could do. Nothing. Your speech would eventually be reduced to a gargle due to the effect of vocal cords being pushing noses through deformed lips because the more you tried to utter words, the more everything was constricting. You literally just sounded like a death rattle. Some of you that have ever had loved ones, there's a thing that they call, it's called the death rattle. It gets close to the end, you hear like this gurgling sound. It's devastating because you know the end is near. There's no really coming back. It's the end. It's near. It's like gurgle. Imagine ten men knowing that their, their life is literally hanging in the balance. They approach Jesus for help. You see, they could no longer claim any cultural status or political or military accolades. They didn't have friends anymore. They couldn't be around people. They were isolated. 
You see, leprosy, one thing about leprosy is it broke down all kinds of barriers. It placed, you see, I told you earlier, the Jews didn't like Samaritans. But it didn't matter if you were a Samaritan, if you were a Roman, if you were a Greek, or if you were a Jew. If you had leprosy, you all went to the camp together. It didn't matter what your, your social status, it didn't matter if you were rich, if you were poor. It didn't matter if you were white, or if you were black, or Hispanic, or Chinese, or Filipino. It didn't matter if you had money. It didn't matter if you were broke. You all laid at the same place. If you had leprosy, you all were stuck together. It was not a poor man's disease. You could find rich, poor, various nations. In the story of Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5, he was the commander of the Syrian army. It shows us that even the rich got leprosy. You see, leprosy throughout the Bible was metaphorical to a thing that we call sin. I have made this statement many times before to you in this body. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. It will cost you more than you want to pay. And it will leave you in places longer than you intended to stay. You see, that leprosy would put everybody, the rich, the poor, the disenfranchised, the white, the black, the Hispanic, whoever. It didn't matter who you are. You all were on level ground. There wasn't the rich and the poor. There wasn't a caste system. There wasn't a tier system. If you had leprosy, you all were the same. Can I tell you, sin did the same thing to us. It doesn't matter if you're a multimillionaire or if you're dirt poor and broke. If you don't know Jesus, we are level at the foot of the cross. You can be white, black, Hispanic. It doesn't matter what your nation, your tribe, your tongue, your creed, your social economic status. When we stand before God We are all the same before God There's neither Greek nor Gentile There's neither Jew nor Greek There's neither slave man nor free man Male or female For we were all made one Under the blood of Jesus Christ It made us even Sin puts everybody on common ground For all have sinned And fallen short of the glory of God Then when Then when desire has conceived It gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death, James 1 and 15 says. Ezekiel 18 and 4, the soul who sins shall die. Can I tell you, there was a time before you met Jesus Christ, you were a walking dead man. You may have physically been in the best health of your life, but your spiritual man was dying and decaying because you did not know who Jesus was. You were dying. You were a walking dead man or woman. You see, there was no physical cure for leprosy outside of a miracle from God. Can I tell you, there was no cure for sin. People had to bring bullocks and rams and goats and doves to try to make restitution with God. Oh, but when God sent His presence, not with the blood of bullocks and goats, but with the precious, spotless blood of the Lamb of God, He sent His only begotten Son, full of the Father, full of grace and truth, only because of the miracle of Jesus' work on the cross did I become no longer a walking dead man. I wasn't a walking dead man. There was no cure for sin except Jesus' grace and blood. Then I started thinking about the leper's plea. They didn't, they, they had a bad situation. Their plight was they were walking dead men. There was no hope for them. But Brother Larry, what they could have done, they could have decided to reside to, to in their mindset reside the fact that they would never get better. They could just say, we know we got leprosy. We'll never be anybody. We'll never make it. We're just going to die. Life's hard and then you die. I heard my grandfather used to say that all the time. Son, if you make your bed hard, you got to lie. Life's hard, then you die, son. Like, thanks, Grandpa. You're just such an encourager of the word. You know, like, Papa, we just lost the state championship. Life's hard, son, then you'll die. That's really encouraging, Grandpa. No, he did not have the gift of encouragement. He was not Barnabas. Maybe Barabbas sometimes, but not Barnabas. 
The reality of it is, they could have sat right there on the outskirts. You've got to remember, the leprous colony was on the outside of the city wall, the city gates. So you didn't get to go to church. Hello? Well, I'm preaching better than you want to chat with me, David. That's okay. I'm going to go it anyway. I wasn't planning on preaching, so I might as well go ahead and get my system, out of my system now. They couldn't go to church because they weren't welcomed in church because they were diseased. They couldn't go to the restaurants because they were diseased. They couldn't hang out with everybody else because they were diseased. They were contaminated. Boy, ain't that Christians today? Oh, we can't go to that people. That girl, she's a prostitute. I can't talk to her. Oh, he used to be a drug addict. I don't want to talk to him. Now, if he gets off drugs and she gets off fornication and they get saved, sanctified, spirit-filled, then they can come join our church. Then they can come be in our church. Then we don't, But as long as they are kind of on the fence with their Christianity, they don't, we don't want that kind in our church because they might contaminate the body. They're diseased. They're, they're like the sin's going to just leap off of them onto you. Well, if their sin could leap off of them onto you that quickly, obviously you're not strong either, so you got some problems too. Because sin just don't leap off of people. You, you allow it to come in. Sin just don't leap on you. And you'd be like, oh, I didn't see sin coming. No, you invite it and you let it come in. You let it come Because if the Holy Spirit of God is living in your life, somebody has to move out for sin to move in because they don't live in the same house. They could have sat there and said, we don't, we ain't going to make it. And watch, there, there were Samaritans. They knew Jews didn't like them. There was Greeks, Romans. We don't know how many lepers. We know there was at least ten. They could have heard Jesus was coming out of Samaria, and they could have let him walk on by. That's what most church people do. Jesus is in the house. He's moving. The waters are stirring. And they sit there going, I wish that preacher would just stop talking. Man, I'm hungry. Man, the football game's going to start in an hour, and I ain't even got lunch yet. Well, I got to get to the sporting event. I've got to get to the race cars. I got to get across town because I'm supposed to be meeting my buddy to go play top golf at three, and the pastor's really infringing on my time here. You know what they're really saying? Jesus, I'm glad you're here, but I don't have time for you. I don't have time for you. And what happens is that. If they'd have said nothing, Jesus would have walked right on by. But they realized something. Sometimes when you are at your wits end and you have nowhere else to go but metaphorically up, the best thing you can do is call on Jesus in that moment. Because here's what happens. Anytime somebody were to walk by a leper, a leper was required to alert them by yelling out the word, I'm clean, I'm diseased, I'm contaminated. It would be like, you know, I'm just going to preach. I'm going to get in trouble. Just don't let them fire me. I hope you're loaded, ready to go. <clears throat> I need security. All my security details not here. They're all out of town. I need, so I'll have to have backup now. The reality is this. What if Jesus operated like the pharisaical and religious elite of the day? Because if you had leprosy, you had to walk around screaming your condition. So what if every time you came to church on Sunday, we had to say, prostitute, don't sit by me, prostitute. Liar, liar, I cheated on my spouse, adulterer, don't sit by me, I'm an adulterer. See, it's funny, it's kind of comical, 
Except none of us want our sins of our skeleton, the skeletons in our closets, our sins to come out. But we certainly don't mind knowing about everybody else's business. We'll put it on Facebook. We'll write it on social media. We want to know everybody else's dirt. We want to talk about them. We want to gossip about them. That's a sin, by the way, if anybody don't remember. We want to talk about them. We want to get on the phone and talk about them. We want to do this, that, and the other. Can I tell you, don't worry about the speck in your brother's eye when you got two by fours in your own eye. Because the reality of it is, if Jesus made you call out your sin, all of us in here would be embarrassed to know what God would make us say about who we were. The lepers didn't have a choice. They had to say, unclean, I'm contaminated, I'm diseased. It was like continually ringing the Beth toll in their ears. For every unclean that was heard, there were thousands that would shout back, stay away, stay away. I come by to tell you today that I feel like that's what the church has done to the world. I feel like we know they're contaminated. But we're so self-righteous with self-indignation. And so much self, uh, you know, self-indulgence of our own self that we're like, stay away. Don't come contaminate our church. Go to somebody else's and contaminate it. We don't want that kind here. We don't want that drug addict to come here. We don't want to be the, the church in town that knows they have all the drug addicts in it. We don't want to be the church in town that has all the crackheads in it. We don't want them exposing that to our children. We don't want them exposing that kind of lifestyle to our grandkids. What if we expose them to Jesus instead of worrying about them exposing us to sin? What if we could expose them to the Father? I told the leadership training, and I'll die. I know we're probably on live stream. I hope to God nobody's watching right now, though, uh, when I say it. But I will resign tomorrow if we ever tell somebody they can't come to this church. I will quit. If somebody walks in who's looking for Jesus and somebody says, Well, Pastor, I don't know if we can have that kind here. I don't know if we can have that color. I don't know if we can have that ethnicity. I don't know if we can have that creed. I don't know if we can have that center. I don't know if we can have this. I can have that one or two things. Either you're leaving or I'm leaving, and you'll have to make that choice. But I would not stand behind this sacred lecture and preach the unadulterated word of God, knowing that I can't do it the right way, because I'm never going to tell somebody there's not room at the cross for them, because God found you. I'll be dog if I'm not going to let them find him. I didn't say I condone their sin, but I'm not going to send them to hell when i got a fighting chance to get them to heaven. Sometimes the church has sent more people to hell than the world has. Hello, preacher. There's blood on some church's hands because they sent people quicker to the devil than they did to Jesus. The lepers are sitting there. I don't have a choice. I have to tell them. I have no family, no friends. But Jesus was not afraid of them. Jesus doesn't go anywhere accidentally. When he arrives, he can change everything. That's why if somebody comes to church and wants to know Jesus, that's what I want. Come meet him. He'll change your life. But notice, all they have said forever is, unclean, unclean. But when they heard God was in the room, they changed their nomenclature. They changed their words. They didn't yell at Jesus, Jesus, unclean. We don't want to contaminate you, God. No, what did they say? Oh, God, have mercy on me. It reminds me of the story of the publican and the, and the Pharisee where the, where, the, where the man was beating his chest and he said, God, I'm not worthy to stand in your prayer. Pharisees over there praying this religious phylactery prayer and telling God and everything how awesome he is and all these things. And the Pharisees over there, God, I'm wonderful and I'm majestic. And the, the, the publican's over there in a fetal position beating his chest going, God, I'm not worthy to stand in your presence. I'm not worthy to talk to you. I'm telling you, it would do us some good to be humbled before the mighty hand of God. So he does the exalting rather than me do the exalting he said I have mercy Jesus they knew Jesus was their last hope they had no choice there was no choice for them 
See, Jesus' reputation had went before them. What they knew is no one can touch you like Jesus can. There was an old song that was written a couple years, probably about 10 or 12 years ago, Praise and Worship Chorus. Became kind of popular for a few years. The song said, no one can touch you like Jesus can. No one can give you peace you cannot understand. No one can bind your wounds. With nail-scarred hands, for no one can touch you like Jesus can. I'm telling you, that should be the heartbeat of every person in this room today. There ain't nobody going, your wife can't touch you like Jesus can. Your husband can't touch you like Jesus can. Your children's hugs as much as you love them don't touch you like Jesus can. Your grandchildren's kisses on the side of your cheek aren't like Jesus can. I'm telling you, there is nothing in this world can touch you like the hand of God. His hand does things nobody else can do. Nobody else can do. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call upon me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Well, here, while you're still speaking, Isaiah 65, 24 says, I will hear. Here's where I'm going to get to, and I'm going to almost be done here in just a moment. But there was one leper who came back. All the lepers had a plight. They all had leprosy. All the lepers, they had a plea. Have mercy on us, Jesus. But only one come back to praise him. Everybody sitting in this room, everybody watching online, we all had a condition called sin. We all needed the mercy and grace of God to save us from sin. But how many people are going to come back and praise God for doing it? Every one of us had a plight. Every one of us were walking dead men and women. Every one of us were bound for hell. Every one of us were living away from God. Every one of us had to have the mercy and grace of Jesus. Every one of us needed the blood to be applied to our lives. But how many willing to say I'll praise him for it I won't be ashamed I don't care what people think about me I don't care what people say about me I don't care what my neighbor beside me thinks I don't care what my spouse thinks I don't care what my, I don't care what others think I'll praise God because I didn't come to church for them I didn't come to church to hear the singing I didn't come to hear the preacher I didn't come to hear the Sunday school teacher I didn't come to make my wife happy or my husband happy I came to magnify the Lord exalt his name forever all that men would praise the Lord and exalt him for his wonderful works to men you see, they all should have praised God. They all were healed. Miriam was healed from leprosy. Gehazi, Elisha's servant, was not healed from leprosy because of his sin. But according to the Mosaic law, if anybody ever actually did get healed of leprosy, they were supposed to go to the priest for confirmation because they wanted to know if it was something different from an abscess or a sore versus leprosy. And they would quarantine them for seven days and then see how it looked. And then they'd quarantine another seven days, see how it looked. And after 21 days, if it did not look better, they would could declare them permanently leprous, unclean. Unclean. But it had been a rare occasion. We don't know if there's ever been actually a documented case where the priests actually ever were able to say someone was completely healed of leprosy. Maybe of abscessed or a sore, but not leprosy. Not leprosy. They had to probably dust the books off of the Levitical law to see what they had to do to see if this was real. This has never happened before. Maybe the priest even downplayed it. Well, you thought you had leprosy. Maybe you didn't have it. You just had some kind of rare bacterial disease. Maybe they played it off. I don't know. 
Jesus sent the lepers to church. What a novel idea. God said, go to church and you'll find me. You'll find healing. The Bible never said Jesus said you're healed. He said go show yourself to the priest to be made whole. What did he say? Where's the priest at? They're at the tabernacle. They're at the synagogue. That's where the priests are. What does that represent? Church. Jesus said, that's why I believe the scripture is so even, if I've ever believed it, I believe it even more so today. Do not forsake the assemblies of yourselves as in the manner of some, but come together with exaltation one with another and worship the Lord. I believe in that scripture. Why? Because Jesus said go. He said, go to church. Go talk to the preacher. Tell him what God has done in your life. Go to church. Go. And on their way to church. You know, they had to be validated according to the law of Moses. But as they were going to church, they discovered they were whole. They're in their car driving on the way to church thinking, I am miserable. I cannot go to church. I am miserable. Somewhere between their home and the gravel parking lot of church, God got in the car. God did something nobody else could do. The doctor wasn't in the room. The oncologist wasn't in the room. But the great physician walked in and sat down in the passenger seat in the car. And he did something. And so when they arrived and realized that one leper went back and praised Jesus. I'm not telling you to turn around and take your car back home. What I'm telling you is by the time you get to church, you should just lift up your hands and say, oh, let me magnify the Lord. I was, like Sister Nana said last week, I wanted to pray and I wanted to get a healing, but I couldn't do it. But when I went home, I laid my hand on my shoulder and God heard me right there in my bedroom. There was no preacher. There was no doctor. There was no surgeon. There was no nurse. There was no anesthesiologist. It was just Jesus walking into the room. And then she came Wednesday night and she moved her hands. Why? Because the devil might want to bring you down but God wants you to lift you up he wants you to worship him he wants you to glorify his name and notice what happens Miss Carol make your way please nobody was healed until they took a step of faith nobody got healed until they started the journey that Jesus told them to do as they were on their way they found they were made whole on the way The way the world is today, everybody gets blessings from God, but not everybody thanks Him and praises Him for His blessings. Most people have the faith to pray, but lack the faith to praise the Lord. What will people think about me? What will people say about me? What will people's thoughts about me be? What will it be? Who cares? You're not here to praise them. You're not here to worship them. You're here to love God. It doesn't matter if the preacher bombs. It doesn't matter if the singers stink. It doesn't matter if the band is horrible. You weren't here for that. You were here for God. Look, I'm not here bashing big churches. I've been to all of them. I've worked in them. I've served in them. That's great. That's wonderful. They can have all the professional musicians on stage. You can audition all you want to. And you can pick the best of the best. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have the best if you have the ability and present that. But all I'm telling you is I don't care if you're a professional musician. I don't care if you're a professional singer. If you don't live right, I don't want you on the stage. Because I don't want you to lead people in worship when you've never been in worship. You've never known the God you're singing about. I want people to know Jesus because they've been with Jesus see our prayers are often Lord I need you Lord please do we're good at giving petitions but we struggle giving praise rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught abounding with thanksgiving that's what Colossians said 
And let the peace of God rule your hearts to which you were called to one body and be thankful. Giving thanks always in all things to God the Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Ephesians. Although they knew God, Romans said, they did not glorify Him nor were thankful. See, many of us, our praise is like the Dead Sea. See, the Dead Sea, nothing can live in the Dead Sea. That's why it's called the Dead Sea. Too salty. Nothing lives there. So the Dead Sea, the Dead Sea is good. It will take anybody it won't. Anybody wants to come to the Dead Sea, it'll take them in. But it never gives anything back. Oh, you can get, you can put your beautiful goldfish right in the middle of the Dead Sea. It's going to die. It ain't coming back. You can get in the Dead Sea and it'll be glad to let you float in it and all that stuff. The Dead Sea doesn't mind taking life. It just don't give life back. Many many people don't mind getting a miracle. They just don't give back the praise. See, we love getting the miracles, but the praise seems to be missing. So the question begs is this. I don't know how many is in this room. There's probably... I'd say 48, 50 people maybe in this room, give or take. There's probably some in Children's Church I don't know about. For easy math, I'll say 45 people. There are 45 people in this room. Which means 45 people should have been able to come to church today and praise the Lord. 90 hands at some point in time should have been able to either do this or to do this. Now, I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to run before you start shooting. I'm not saying everybody has to be boisterous like I am. I know that everybody can't have a sweet disposition like me, and calm and cool and collective and be very docile and compliant. I know that. If you're somewhere close to me, praise the Lord. You're highly favored and blessed. If you come to church only because you wanted to hear somebody sing, you came for the wrong reason. If you came today thinking, oh great, I didn't have to hear the preacher today because we were having a guest, pe- guest preacher. Surprise, I'm not him. You may not like the song we sing. You say, oh pastor, I'm not a musician. I'm not a singer. God gave you an instrument. They're called ten string. If you're missing a couple, you just play nine strings or eight strings. Depends on how many strings you want to have. Play how many strings you got. You sing songs like when we all get to heaven. You may not like it. Maybe you don't like hymns. Well, I'm sorry. We're going to sing them anyway. I apologize, but we're going to still sing them. Even if you don't like singing when we all get to heaven, you can at least go. You ain't got to say nothing. You're not singing. Maybe we didn't want you to sing anyway. Maybe you don't know how to sing. Maybe you can't carry a tune. Maybe you're sparing us all. I don't know you can use your hands you can clap you can worship him and I'm not saying it's got to be the loudest clap in the room but you can at least worship the Lord because if you're saved whether or not you like the song or not I sure hope you want to go to heaven and not go to hell so if we're singing when we all get to heaven I sure hope you want to go too so let's go sing the wonders see I, I, I'm not against other churches, but I will tell you what larger churches, mega churches, and big churches, what they do have in their favor. Now, I will say a lot of it is emotional. And I'll give you that. A lot of it is emotionalism. But even through emotionalism, 
through those services, one thing they always do is they get people to engage even if it's emotionally in the moment. Nothing is more depressing than to walk into church if you're a first-time guest and see everybody talk about the love of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, the preacher preach about the joy of the Lord, and we sing about it, and everybody in the church is. It's kind of like counterintuitive of what we just promoted. We got the joy of the Lord. Yes, we do, preacher. Riveting. You may not like it, but worship Him. You sing, I surrender all, or whether we sing, Spirit of the living God, or we sing, God, you're so good, or we sing, I raise a hallelujah. You may not know the song, and I like the song, but you can still raise a hallelujah. You might have to let the band sing it because you don't know it. You may not know all the words, but you can stand there and say, but God, I give you thanks. I worship you. You may not sing, but you can still raise your hands. You can still clap your hands. You can shout unto God with a voice of triumph. You can worship God. So if there's 45 people in this room, there means there should have been at some point today 90 hands involved. There should have been 45 voices heard by God. Maybe not by me, but by God in some capacity. I'm going to close with this. And I'm done. Where are the nine? Oh, some of you may say, Pastor, I was worshiping today. Well, congratulations. Kudos to you. When you go out the back door, stand up and give yourself a cookie and ask Brother Randy to give you one. I don't, that's not what I'm asking. Buy you a cookie. Where are the nine? Because I surmise this, that everybody that's in this room this morning, and please do not get mad when I say this, but everybody in this room, you didn't praise God for what he deserved. You just gave him. You might have praised him some, but I guarantee you every one of us could have done a little bit better because he's been a whole lot better than us than what we gave him today. Hello, preacher. Sister Ashley Harley called me this morning, texted me and said, Pastor, I have been sick nauseous, I've got a migraine, I'm, I'm out of my migraine, but I said, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I want to come so bad, I don't know what to make it. And I said, she would, she could tell you, I told her, she, I said, I don't know if you'll make it or not, but I believe if you can get there, God will have something where he can do something. I promise you, I believe it. You can sit back there and do whatever you want to, but I'm going to pray. Because she did make it. And I refuse to let the devil have a win when I put God on the record. And there's some of us in this room, like Miss Nina and others, who have had testimonies of the miracle-working power of God just this week. So I'm going to ask Ashley if she don't mind. I'm going to ask her. David can come with. They'll come stand beside me. I'm going to pray with them this morning. Now the rest of y'all, you can do whatever you want to. Now you can think I'm a hard, callous preacher, but I'm not worried about you today because you already know. You should know how to praise God. I shouldn't have to spoon feed you. They told me their need, and I'm going to believe God for it. You can come pray with us if you want to. You can sit there and look like you're a Sour Patch Kid, and you made a lemon before you came to church all you want to. I do not care. I'm going to leave here, and I'm going to eat my lunch, and it's not going to bother me what I owe to what you think of me when I leave here. As long as my wife gets in the car with me, the rest of y'all, I don't really care because I just want her to go home with me. That's it. Because I know I did what God asked me to do today, and I'm not going to go home with shame because I know what God said to do. But I believe, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that there are some people in this church, I'm not trying to call you out, but you deserve to give God better praise than what you've been giving Him the last few few weeks, months, years, whatever. God's been a whole lot better to us than we're giving Him back. Where are the nine? I'm not talking nine people. I'm talking about metaphorically. Where's the rest of the people that worship God? Where's the rest of the praise and worship? Now, if you want to come pray, by all means. If you want to come help us pray, by all means. But you and God need to figure this out at this point. I'm going to pray with them, and I'll be glad to pray with anybody else. But I want you to figure out, are you going to be the one that comes back 
Are you going to be the one that just keeps getting miracles, but your worship is missing in the house? That's up to you today. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus.